Hello and welcome to the final episode of 2022 of Pakistanabi. My name is Uzair Yunus and to do the roundup with me, um, Ariba Shahid is here. She's a familiar voice person to many of you, been on the podcast many times. Um, Ariba says or claims that she may have a viral flu, um, yeah. but she's a smart woman who is not smart enough to get a COVID test to make sure that she has, uh, does not have. covid but ariba you said you can smell wicks so that's your scientific way of analyzing and and knowing that you don't have the coronavirus thank you for having me uzair and okay so my logic is main ghar pe to hu i'm not going anywhere and my parents are already sick so you know what let's just let's just have a fam jam at home for you know two weeks yeah so i mean she and i have uh, no years plans so it doesn't yeah. matter So that doesn't matter. And Ariba um, was basically uh, I, hanging out with some very elite people a couple of days ago. So my logic is that the disease is the same from the mirrors. So there is no disease that has come with us. But is it corona or not? They have not tested it yet. I think it could be that the weather was very cold. Like mm-hmm. we were sitting outside. So it was either that. مجھے ہمیشہ یاد ہے کہ پچھلے کئی سالوں سے ڈسمبر میں لاہور Yeah, but see, I mean, that's uh, the powers that be can claim that we're giving you free cigarettes so that you Exactly. Um, but this episode is about the roundup of the year. Um, I figured that we have a rebound to talk about the uh, big hits, the big misses, um, the things that happened in this year and what the next year may look like. Um, I think <clears throat> from my point of view, Ariba, um obviously the year started uh with the pandemic and is ending with the pandemic in the sense that omicron yeah. is here and there's a fear that cases are rising um they're rising here where i am in the us so to everyone tuning in i hope uh you stay safe uh that your loved ones stay safe it's still going on and we need to be careful um but tell us what was your sort of when you look back at january 2021 um where were things and where did you see them going what were some of the key points that you said you know what things may be getting good let's we'll get to the where things started to go awry because they did but what was your initial sort of you know good momentum building story so i think when 2021 started and when when we did our last you know sum up of the year i think we all agreed on the fact that everything is going not as bad as it should have during a pandemic but inflation is something that needs to be targeted and something that is you know of utmost important um, you know of utmost importance 
and we started the year saying you know bus abhi agar inflation ko kabu kar le and things will go well and then the next month we said the same thing and the next month and the next month and it's december now and we're still saying the same thing you know inflation ko kabu karna hai which of nazar nahi aa raha so i'm not going to start off saying that 2022 is the year that we're going to control inflation we may or may not that is not <laughs> up for debate i guess but um so that is what we started off with things were going pretty well considering the fact that during the pandemic the the country was able to sustain itself we didn't go bankrupt hum band nahi ho gaye everything was going well in fact we we registered a 4% growth rate in the year matlab mazak se hatke wow right so things weren't bad like things were i would so i don't know maybe i'm not a pessimist yet but like i wouldn't say that things are terribly bad in 2021 like do you agree with me like it could have been much worse considering we're in pakistan yeah i mean look i think um i try to grapple with this argument um a lot in the sense that you know inflation is obviously there and we've had problems with it for a long long time um and that's eroding purchasing power parity but even that number does not in my view tell the story of the crisis and i think um people like you and i often miss that story of a long drawn out crisis which is and i think um Khurram Hussain wrote powerfully in his final dawn column about this um and that made me think yeah. as well in the sense that we are a country that is nuclear armed you know 300 plus million dollars coming into startups some of the most talented people i know in the world are pakistani etc etc um but many of our human development indicators are actually worse than if not equal to um sub-saharan african countries um and nothing i'm not throwing shade on african nations um i'm just reflecting on the fact that sub-saharan africa has had a terrible history of colonial extraction um a terrible uh, history of violence of collapsing states and all of that um so its indicators have been terribly bad um and pakistan's indicators were not that bad yeah we've gotten to that point and i think in our discourse um we often look at 4% growth or new investment coming in or cpeg etc um but we miss that very tragic human story um that millions of pakistanis go through frankly who you and i can't even relate to forget about c um right karachi mein okay you still see some slums etc but i still remember this when i was in uh pakistan last and went to interior sindh um it had been a long time since i had gone to rural sindh um and it was surprising to me that when you walked through the bazaar in sindh you didn't see a lot of fresh vegetables and i asked yeah. somebody right ke ye it looks weird like kya scene hai and they were like sir yeah gurbat hai log but sabzi nahi afford kar sakte to bazaar mein aapko itni sabzi milegi bhi nahi um you know so it was that's the story to me that at least says that we need to pay more attention to that um when it comes to talking about the economy as well yeah of course and and like when you said <clears throat> cpec um the protests that we're seeing in gawalar itself you know you can't put that into numbers when you talk about cpec and you talk about the multiplier effect it has on the gdp of the country or employment or whatever you're not taking into account those stories when we talk about inflation we're not taking into account the shrinkflation that's happening so the inflation numbers are understated uh in comparison to what they essentially are on in in ground reality and you're not taking into account the fact that families are are considering what is important what is not important when deciding how to spend their money 
एंड ऑफ कोर्स आई रियलाइज दैट पाकिस्तान बिन अ कंट्री जहाँ पे इन्फ्लेशन नंबर्स हैव यूजली बिन हाई लाइक आई आई डोंट फील दैट देर हैज बिन अ टाइम वेर a reporter walks on the street and asks people whether they think that there is mangai or not and people were happy with it i don't think there was a time but you've got to agree with the fact that it has been consistent for the past two years one issue has been consistent and that is the problem where every month you you see that the inflation numbers are clocking in around hovering towards the two two digit mark sometimes in two digits sometimes almost there and that is scary considering the number of people that live below the poverty line in pakistan so yeah let, but let me let me uh, push back i i agree that inflation has been <clears throat> excuse me has been an issue for the last two years but i was actually looking at world bank data and uh, last year um this so this is even before the most recent round of inflation right um and i was looking at pakistan compared to peer economies like morocco nigeria vietnam bangladesh india um etc and it was a shocking revelation um, and i think i've posted about this on social media and other articles as well that since 20 since the turn of the century for the last 20 years pakistan among its peer economies had ha- has had the lowest rate of annual growth on average um and the second highest average rate of inflation um yeah. so it's not just that there is inflation now it's been there for the last 20 plus years um and it's not you know high rates of inflation in emerging markets are totally normal right i mean yeah. not double digit but you know 7 8% but that if it's not followed with growth um that really is the problem and i think the undp earlier this year released a report um that showed that you know based on their analysis pakistan actually is the only country in the subcontinent uh with a shrinking middle class um yeah. which is terrifying like you shouldn't a young country like ours where the median age is under 25 should not have a shrinking middle class it should have a growing middle class but for some reason we do and that's the crisis in my view and it's not like the middle class is shrinking and the poor are increasing uh, the rich are increasing that would be brilliant that yeah. would be ideal yeah if people are moving up that you know away from the middle class into the elite yeah exactly so but yeah. going back to the year um i think you're right it started with optimism 4% growth was good um yeah. and i think exports are rebounding and and the fact of the matter is that again when you compare pakistan's exports through the pandemic like january 2020 to today um we've done um as well as india has in terms of growing our exports and better than bangladesh so it's good we're we're growing at yeah. you this would indicate that exports are are strong and and the rebounding is is their strength there um but um it hasn't been followed by um you know rejuvenation in other other sectors of the economy and i think you would agree that that's where the problem lies right that the broad based type of growth hasn't really taken hold the way it should have yeah um so if we if we look at it this way in in pakistan like if you want to increase your exports if you want to increase your domestic sales at the end of the day you're going to be increasing your imports because one we're not a completely self-sustained country i don't think any of our industries are self-sustaining um you know locally sustained i don't think any of them can are at please correct me if i'm wrong um so so the growth that we have comes at a cost and that is the question as in how long one can bear the cost is like how long can you support these industries how long can these industries cost you and 
you know that that is one question that i often have in the sense that let's say cars so we hear uh the governor state bank we hear the spokesperson talk about motorcycle and car sales being increased and that you know being used as you know a metric to show how there's more purchasing power in the country but at the end of the day you should know that when more of these cars are being sold or produced in pakistan uh you're importing more products from abroad um you're importing more raw materials from abroad um <clears throat> sorry so those are some things that i don't know like when un until unless our industries don't become self-sufficient i don't think we would be able to compete in exports as effectively as the rest of the world of course exports increasing right now that's a good sign and the momentum um you know for the momentum to grow rapidly one would require more made in pakistan um and more you know openness towards competition because the more you protect these industries the less likely they are to be able to compete in the long run so that is one was one concern i have but yeah as far as exports are concerned uh you know it's it's good that pakistan's relying on more than just remittances from people like you and mm. we're we're going for exports but i would love to see exports in different domains like beyond textiles um you know beyond agriculture beyond textiles i don't know like beyond oh and then software so that that that's good like tech exports are good but i'd love to see that grow more yeah. and <clears throat> and you can't have tech tech exports grow when you have duties on laptops so there's that as well so yeah i don't know if you want to increase exports <clears throat> sorry or if you want to increase the growth of the country you've, you've got to look at things from a bigger wider lens and you've got to see at what cost that growth is coming and how long you can sustain yourself with that cost yeah i think the the point on laptops is valid right i think there's no new taxes coming under the mini budget which we'll get to in just a moment but i think you're right um on you know even the the data point about motorcycles and cars and motorcycle sales have also been booming it's like there is no public transport in this country decent one there's like okay uh, there is a brt here and there but by and large if you want mobility um and mobility is linked to economic opportunity you got to figure out your own way to get around think about places. it this way think about it this way i live near uh iba karachi university and ned the three biggest universities in karachi um and the 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 the, the bus system that they've developed for karachi does not link to these universities so um getting a, a bus to university should be the first goal the second goal should be to workplaces hubs like chandigarh things of the sort i if i let's say if i do not have a car and i want to use the public transport in a city like karachi i can't really do that um as effectively as you know one would hope uh i'm not really sure about the lahore and islamabad system but i've heard that the areas they cover are limited in reach so mass transport is city wide you can't just pick and choose areas and then just stop and go like listen we've given you a gift because no you haven't given me a gift subsidies they are instead of aapko aapki aap ye nahi aur phir road banana ya kuch bhi bus bhi lana is not a gift like subsidy to chalo you can spin that but like it's not a gift it's it's my basic right as a tax paying citizen even if i'm not paying tax it's a basic right and then if i'm buying a motorcycle because one i can't afford a car 
Two, I, I can't afford to rickshaw into work every day. That is why motorcycle sales are increasing. It's not because I have a lot of money. It's because I saved every penny I made for the past few months to buy a yeah. motorcycle so I could get to work and earn money. Yeah. No, my, my driver in Karachi has a motorcycle because that's his only way of conveniently getting to and from work. And if he had the opportunity to have a decent bus that he could get into, I'm pretty sure that he would not use his motorcycle because rising petroleum prices eat into his salary a lot. I'll, right? I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. When I went to IBA, uh, so there was a shuttle service that ran from main campus to city campus, right? I had my own car. But as a student, I was broke all the time. I'd rather spend that money on something else. So what I would do is I'd park my car at main campus, take the shuttle to city campus. When I was done with my class, take the shuttle back and then ride back home. And, you know, me being for someone from a privileged background thought, you know, the public transport was a more effective way. One, I don't have to worry about traffic. Two, it doesn't cost me anything. So your driver being some, you know, driver being someone who wants to save, that's different. This is, this is what it's supposed to be like. The middle class are also supposed to use public transport. It's not just for the people that can't afford it. It's, for, it's supposed to be mass transport. And that is that is the only way you're going to reduce smog. And just for context for people, I am privileged enough to be sitting here in Washington. There's actually six bus lines within two blocks of me, right? That can take me to the city, right? And wow. the fare in DC is $2 a pop, right? So 180 exactly um, but you know that's just the context right that I have a car here but most more often than not I can just walk over to the intersection and hop on a bus that can take me to anywhere in the city and this is not even a large city per se and yes there is yeah. a subsidy provided for the transportation system Did as it is in many gift? parts of the world no Did and actually and actually there are plans here to make the bus free because the city is arguing that that's actually a better solution to transportation and better walkability, mobility, et cetera. So there's a debate going on around even reducing fares um, for the bus and the mass transit system. But it, it again, connecting this back to economics is important because it, yeah. this is how productivity goes up, right? So if you are having a, a driver that whose job it is to basically sit while you're in the office and drive you from point A to point B, that is unproductive labor, sitting there yeah. not doing anything productive. You are stuck in traffic because there is urban sprawl and no mass transit system. That is a drain on productivity. If you are forcing yeah. people to commute like donkeys, essentially in crowded buses that are terrible to sit in and then expect them to show up in the factory, and then be productive, they're not going to be productive. So that's a drain on your labor productivity. So if you're not, if your labor productivity and your total factor productivity in economic terms is not going up compared to the rest of the world, which is investing in better transportation and mobility and productivity, um, then your cost is going to never going to match to the ones that are more productive than you. And therefore your exports are never going to grow. You're always going to import. I think that's what is important for people to recognize that the ability to move people around in a country or in a city um, is so, so vital. And we haven't even touched upon how farm to market roads are essential to improving loss yeah. of product and produce from the farm to the city, which is also another big issue in this country. 
uh, women mobility is also another issue in the country where a lot of women don't pick up jobs because one, it would cost them around 6,000 rupees just to get a rickshaw driver to pick them up from their home and drop them to work or a bus service or van service that costs them around 6,000. So in a country where the minimum wage is around 20,000 um, and not everyone is fortunate enough to earn big money, you know, you can salary ka one quarter of transportation people go like, you know, just stay at home. Just Which again, I home. think it's such an important point right now. Again, I, I want to connect this <laughs> to basic economics because people miss this point. When you're yeah. spending 6,000 a month, on a rickshaw driver or your transportation because there is no better option there are two things that happen when we look at the big picture numbers in the economy that you know old school economists say you are consuming too much because 80 percent of your gdp or 90 percent of your gdp is consumption it's consumption spending because of things like this you're yeah. spending six thousand rupees on a rickshaw driver because you can't afford yeah. there is no better alternative number two that six thousand rupees then of consumption spending works its way through the economy as consumption spending. The rickshaw driver is an unproductive laborer because they're working in the services industry instead of yeah. making things in the country. So that adds to it. But more importantly, if you had a better option, then you would be saving part of that 6,000, which then is the domestic savings and investment gap in this country that people yeah. often macroeconomists talk about. And I think we forget to connect micro level issues with macro level impact because all Absolutely. these things add up. There are millions of people spending 6,000 rupees on rickshaw or 10,000 rupees a month on motorcycle fuel expenditure is the consumption spending. And they're not doing it because they love to ride a bike or ride in a rickshaw. They're doing it because there is no other opportunity to go around the place. No. Exactly, exactly. And then calling the country a consumption-based country. Of course, we are a consumption-based country because at the end of the day, people have to fulfill their needs more than their wants. So I feel that when you talk to the majority of the country their money goes towards their needs and it's just a few of us that spend more towards our wants yeah and i i, I think I amar, amar made this point on twitter the other day that if you just even look at a dal fry that a laborer eats the yeah. haba 85 percent of that dal fry or 90 percent of that dal fry you know roughly speaking is is imported because dal yeah. be imported hai, palm oil be imported at the two major components jo hai, dal fry ke wo to aapke imported hi hai. Um, agar uske saath wo chai pi raha hai to chai ke andar jo chai ja rahi hai wo bhi imported hai doodh pakistani hai aur pani pakistani hai um so you know i i think people miss that point as well when they look at import data and say oh my god hum ye itna kharcha kar rahe hain itne arab dollar humne kharch kar diye when, when we think of imports, the first thing that comes into mind is which were imported chocolates aati or imported shampoo or lotion. Or cheese. Cheese. Oh my God. The, you know, the worst thing the government has done is banning cheese because Yahaki cheese is terrible and it's been two years and the cheese still sucks. Yeah. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. So, you know, if you wanted to import substitution, you do it after you develop decent. Substitutes. Yeah, I think someone was talking about how, you know, there's like, I don't know how many million dollars worth of tissue paper imported into Pakistan. And I was like, that makes sense. Have you looked at the rose petal tissues? Usko khinste, khinste hi wo jata hai. It's like, forget about using it for anything uh, you need it to use for us. By the time, it, you know, it reaches your face or whatever, it's done. Exactly. It's so crinkly, right? It just melts away the moment you touch it. There you go. It's in your hand. There you go. It's, so it's like, not even there. 
why why would I why would you consume that? You obviously are going to import better tissue paper because the one you have is crap. And and no yeah. offense to the rose petal people, but please Im- improve the quality of your tissue paper, um, or at least offer a more premium product for others. M- mosquito repellent, mosquito yes. coils. They they apparently they're luxury goods too. I I didn't know. Yeah. Not wanting to die of dengue and malaria was something for the the elite yeah two big moments uh ariba that come to mind from the year um that i want to get your thoughts on um first what did you make off the budget at that time um and what do you make of the budget now that it sort of worked its way partially through the economy so the budget back then was too good to be true in the sense that they were trying like yeah yeah we've been promising you the world and you knew that they're gonna go like you know what what's or you know, so now they're reconsidering their stance. So the budget back then was was an extremely bullish budget. It was a budget that one would expect from a, a political party towards the end of their tenure. So it wasn't a surprise there. Um, but no, 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 wait, the- wait, let me let me hold you there. I think it was a surprise for exactly that reason, because the political party is not at the end of its tenure. It still had at least one more budget to go before it entered election mode. Yeah, but like you you do know how things go and you, you start your work two years before the elections. Yeah, I don't know. I think they preempted, but sorry, go on with your thoughts on the budget. I'll, you, I'll share you, my you, views. You, you started, plus you have finance minister, <laughs> but like my point is that the budget was was like, you know, we, we had go. And I feel that the budget was more like, you know, uh, during COVID, the, the relaxations through the IMF, whatever, we had those. And they were like, you know, let's let's make the most of it for as long as we can. So it was like, you know, a party in the Ministry of Finance and the State Bank. Let's make the most of, you know, the IMF going smooth on us and nice on us because of the uh, because of COVID. So they were like, you know, we've got to make the most of it for as long as we can. Because in the end, so that was the budget. No, 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 the teacher was out of class. All right. The teacher was out of class. I was like, listen, you're in charge. Just make sure. Right. And you were having the time of your life. And now the teacher is back in class. It's like, you know, discipline. And and I guess in, in this analogy, the class monitor is the State Bank of Pakistan. Prefect and monitor. Prefect is Raza Nagar, monitor is Shaukat Tareen. And <laughs> walking in and everyone's like, aray, aray. The, the journalists, the journalists are, aray, IMF no, that's true. I think I agree. I think the budget was too good to be true. Um, I um, I think I even my immediate reaction to this was that the numbers were just like off the kilter, right? Even PSDP ka jo target tha, wo ab unhone 200 billion se to cut kar diya hai. Abhi thoda aur cut karna padega because of borrowing costs going up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, I think it was only a matter of time before the whole stimulus worked its way through an economy that then was overheating, quote unquote. And now they are trying to walk back those comments. But I vividly remember like both Governor Bakir and Shaukat Tareen were here in Washington for the IMF meetings. 
And they openly said that, that our economy, our problem is too much growth at this point because it's coming close to 5%. And that's basically the cap, which is such a shame. Like a emerging economy, those obese, those these million log, um, majority of them looking for better opportunity. Aapki top level growth is 5%. Hai bas. Usse aage aap agar jayenge, you'll overheat and then all things will break loose. Um, to... but, also, but also the fact that they identified this is kind of in a way assuring because the country has gone through a number of boom bust cycles. So, you know, preventing like, you know, just, just pulling back at the right moment would maybe be able to. I don't even it. think it's a boom. Like Ariba, it's like a China bomb. Because I mean, look, I mean, comparatively to around the globe, when you call a boom, a boom, it's like several years of high yeah, growth rates. We don't have that. We, we have percent like... growth rate, four, five years ago, then bust came, so it's a boom bust cycle. This is one year. एक साल की 4% ग्रोथ हुई तीन क्वार्टर्स की तकरीबन 4.5 या 5% की ग्रोथ हुई और ओवरहीट हो गई इकॉनमी या नो दैट 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 पाकिस्तानी बूम बस्ट यू राइट द चाइना पटाखा वाला बूम और फिर बच्चा आ जाता है क्या हुआ क्या हुआ वो वाला बस्ट या और नहीं एक बड़ा आ जाता है एक बड़ा आ जाता है बोलते बंद करो ये पटाखे yeah, I think the budget really set the scene for what came later, right? And I think even to an extent, and we'll find more out more about the growth in money supply and its implications as well um, over the course of time. But for now, there is another argument there. The monetarists are arguing that you also created too much money in the economy, which now is working through in the form of inflation and pressure on the currency, um, to which the state bank is pushing back very hard and saying that that's not really true. Um, to which then my rebuttal is, if that's not true, then why are you raising interest rates? Because if this is cost push inflation and not caused by growth in money supply and, and et cetera, then how CRR or policy rate will increase inflation? If it was just the policy rate, then the person says, okay, all right, makes sense. But like, okay, I don't buy it, but like, okay, let's see. But they also increase the CRR and and then you know a few months from now maybe we'll have the single treasury account as well and that's also going to reduce liquidity as well so when you when you take all of that into account it's like the state bank knows that they've created a lot of yeah. money and um, and for those who who don't know what crr is basically the reserve ratio that banks must hold and if you increase the reserve ratio then it basically means that yeah. banks can't circulate as much money in the economy um you know that's the layman's explanation basically so but the, essentially the it's a means time, to reduce money in the country the last time they they hiked this was in 2008 i guess after the global financial crisis so they hiked it right now so just just another yeah. Which again is telling, right? Okay, you're taking measures that uh, occurred last when the global financial crisis was occurring, <laughs> but you're still arguing that everything is hunky-dory, um, which, yeah. you know, the narrative does not meet, you know, the eye, right? You know, there's something and else going on here. Today's OMO operations as well makes one think mm-hmm. that, you know, how far the state bank is willing to go to make yeah. people believe what they're saying. Like, I don't know why? if you saw um, after the OMO, I just woke up and got a message um, uh, from Topline. Um, yeah, so their closing paragraph was very interesting to me because they said the OMO has reduced yields, but resumption of the IMF program, current account deficit and pressure on the rupee will determine yields going forward. So basically Topline is arguing in so many words 
दैट ठीक है शॉर्ट टर्म में आपने ओ एम ओ करके जरा थोड़ा मार्केट में स्टेबिलिटी ले आए हैं लेकिन दिस इज लाइक पैनाडोल वेन यू एक्चुअली यू नो हैव लाइक मच वर्स डिजीज ऑन योर हैंड एंड अदर थिंग्स Yeah, absolutely, and and the and it's scary, uh, considering the fact that the state bank is not being taken as seriously as one would hope, um, and now they're going to have to walk the talk, not just say stuff. And the fact that you know the governor goes on to Bloomberg and says that we will not increase policy rates, and then you follow this up with the no more injection of sixty three days, um, and based on data available. since 2008 this has never been done i guess the maximum was 17 days in 2011 so this is unprecedented and i hate using the word unprecedented because it's been used to death for the past two years so this is unprecedented and the state bank's been through a whole pr exercise trying to get the markets to believe it and you know ye ye do mahine ke liye maybe the markets will believe it what are you going to do next after two months i in a common down to me the shocking thing in all of this talking of state bank and central bank best practices again i'll put on my undergrad monetary economics 101 hat right you're a sophomore in college you're what i was 20 years old when i sat in my first monetary econ class and the financial crisis was just beginning we were all sitting in class actually living through this was my undergrad wow. experience right a monetary economics per day and literally the monetary economics playbook was being rebuilt at that time right with liquidity injections and you know tarp and whatever other programs that the fed and and the congress pulled out um at that time and there was a debate because there was a big debate in the united states at that time about whether the fed was crossing its congressional mandate given to it right whether these programs were even legal or not um but you, we were sitting in that class and i vividly remember one of the early classes was how do you read a policy statement by a central bank and yeah. our professor basically told us that if there are 30 of you in this class and if 30 of you read a policy statement and you all can't agree on what this means then mm-hmm. we have a problem because yeah. that's how volatility is birthed in the market because people can't understand what the central bank is trying to say or trying to do because what it says is an indication of what they're trying to do but his other point was that once that decision is made you don't speak that much you speak through your policy statements and that's it so the fact that here we have a state bank that is releasing a policy statement then goes on television shows to give a live interview excuse me for 40 something minutes right other people are writing op-eds um then goes on to bloomberg and says there will be a rate pause um clearly the need for communicating this clearly in so many words that there will be a rate pause is because your monetary policy statement was unclear about what you're trying to do and i had this debate with a friend because an, one friend of mine read the statement as they will pause rates and my reading yeah, so of it was that they won't everyone, because there's an opening here so so when when the statement was out the forward guidance that they gave um when i got comments three people were like oh this means that you know rates are going to remain stable for the near term and some people are like oh so this basically means the state bank doesn't want to go on record but like you know anything and anything can happen so so that happened and despite their attempt at forward guidance i i just guess the market didn't take it as serious enough and and maybe they didn't take it serious because you're trying too hard to communicate a point and i don't know i feel that in in such cases when you talk too much 
they sense that you're panicked and then the market starts to react to that panic. Also, the language in that this particular statement was problematic um, in the sense that A, to me, was like, what the hell is a monetary policy setting? Like, this yeah. is or dusra ek ek do jagahon pe likha hua tha ke um the monetary policy committee felt that blah 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 and i'm like bhai yeah. feelings pe aap nahi kaam karte aap monetary policy statement likh rahe hain it's data driven to aap matlab felt kya hota hai the market's reaction was unwarranted ha to ye kya hota hai felt kya hota hai matlab i don't understand mujhe ye samajh nahi aa raha the state bank is known for making calls to bank treasuries, all right? That is how they control the dollar back during Nawaz Sharif's, you know, era, um, uh, Dar's era, basically, as finance minister. So the, the state bank is known to do that. Why Why are they not calming the markets down through those calls now? Yeah, like, so I mean... Like, not in the FX market, like in the bond market. Why aren't they using that means now? I, I just find that weird. And the 63 day-long OMO operation. Kind of interesting. Yeah. So we'll see. I think um, you and I will both agree that they have a credibility challenge on their hands now. And this scorched earth media approach, um, as one of our friends refers to it, is not working and it shouldn't. Um, they shouldn't be doing this. They're, they're hurting the credibility, at least in my view, of the institution itself, because uh, central banks and central bankers don't speak that often. Um, this is why there are conspiracy theories around central bankers about Illuminati and all sorts of stuff because they don't keep a public profile, right? And they only come out and do something publicly and speak about it when they need to achieve larger goals. Like I remember in the US case when um, the back of inflation was broken in the 70s by these massive interest rate hikes. And that was you know, a way of the central bank to say, we're serious, we mean what we're doing, we're gonna end inflation. And they did so by action again, not just by talking. They just hiked interest rates in a way that the market was like, holy crap, like this guy is serious, right? Like we need to, we need to see what he's doing. Um, but I think they, they, they have a problem on their hands now, but let's see, let's see where things go. Um, what do you think about um, the other thing I want to talk about, you know, towards the tail end, obviously things are bad right now. Um, I don't know if you saw the former FBR chairman's comments or his presentation at Hamdard. <laughs> okay, so I sometimes I think that Shabir said he's too smart for me to understand because I, I just don't understand what he's saying. Um, so I, the funny thing is I was at an event, it was a book launch uh, a few days ago. And there was this reporter there and I was like, why are you here? Like I was there as a favorite friend, but I was like, why are you here? And he's like, oh, I'm here because Shabir Zadi is here and he's going to say something dumb and I want to catch it before he says it. All right. So last question um, before we wrap things up. Mini budget is coming. IMF board meeting is scheduled. We'll find out more in the next few weeks. Um, 2022 outlook, where do you see things going? And let's not do the whole year outlook because I know there's a lot of things up in the air, but let's just say um, first quarter 2022, where do you see things going? Um, all right, so the mini budget's gonna be really interesting because now we find the government in a tougher spot. Uh, so there's that um, and you know, in order to decrease inflation, they're going to use some fiscal controls as well. So that would be interesting to see as well. Uh, 
but I, I doubt the government would want to use fiscal controls because again, and I don't feel the government is too keen on the state bank using monetary tools as well at this point, but we'll, we'll have to see what happens on that front. Um, as far as 2022 is concerned, I just feel like 2021 repeat hoga in the sense that I just don't think we had a year called 2021. But 2022, um, I feel that inflation will start subsiding uh, by the end of the quarter, maybe if global commodity prices do start to taper down. But um, I don't know, I, I see 2022 first quarter being roughly the same. I don't see our remittances growing a lot because travel has opened up significantly. So that is one thing that I don't see happening. Uh, secondly, um, I think our exports are going to remain range bound. They're not going to drastically go up. Our imports, on the other hand, are increasing and I see them increasing further. So the current account deficit is going to remain a problem. Um, other than that, the rupee, I don't see the rupee massively losing, but also I don't see the rupee gaining strength. Um, you know, I don't see it strengthening. Um, make what you will of that statement. Uh, so yeah, things things will be broadly stable, but like when if they're stable at a bad time, it's not really a good thing. Um, it's just that what I'm trying to say is I don't see them becoming terrible from this point, but also I don't see them becoming good. Yeah, no, I, I mostly agree with with you. I think <clears throat> the one thing to watch out for will be how money supply growth works its way through inflation and the increase uh, through the many budget increase in taxes. Um, so we'll, we'll, I, I think that's all I would add to it. I think from my view, what the state bank is doing and, you know, they will not openly say nobody will openly accept it. This is just my theory and people are free to disagree and, and tell me that I'm full of crap. Um, but basically what the IMF is doing through the state bank by hiking interest rates is um, constrain and impose fiscal discipline uh, on the finance side because you know the the prefect is not disciplined so the class monitor is saying okay beta line major right um, or something of that sort the teacher and the monitor are colluding essentially um, but uh, was there one thing I'm sorry for cutting you off one thing we thought Kishokatrin would not make it this year Yes, but then we also said that if if we are saying that hum jo hai, uska alert hota hai, to, that's oh. also a pattern there as well. Shokatreen um, will, I think Shokatreen will make it this year. But the, I'm yeah. not saying the OLED, I'm saying I think Shokatreen will make yeah. it till the budget. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, or hai koi nahi hai, to kisko laenge, right? That's also another... repeat, repeat, repeat again. Yeah. So, but I think the fiscal discipline part is missed in the analysis. Again, from a theoretical perspective, that's the only reason why I think rates are being hiked. Okay. The idea being that if you raise hikes, uh, if you raise incre increase interest rates, um, the cost of borrowing for the sovereign will go up. Um, interest rate expenditures will go up, meaning that he will not have, he meaning Shokatarin will not have enough money um, to spend on other things, um, thereby imposing fiscal discipline by interest rates hike. Um, no one will accept that, but I think that's the only logical way in which interest rate hikes here work through to curb inflation because they will stall government spending and and stop the flow of money in so, the economy the way it's so happening right now. So essentially, 
सो इसेंशली यू सेंग कि वो जो मीम था जो दो टू पैसे ने बनाया था अबाउट रजा बाकर विद लाइक शूटिंग मनी आउट that's basically shocket three now shooting money out and razabak is like stop yeah basically and then because they're the trying IMF to tells yeah because they're trying to impose this school discipline i think and i i heard this from shaukhadarin himself when he was here in washington to me was concerning was he was just like we'll spend on this we'll spend on that we'll spend on this and i was like at some point you got to stop spending buddy like you're going to like unleash a monster of inflation by spending all the way through like you can't run big fiscal deficits in this situation <laughs> um and i think that's the only logical reason to me beyond the fact that the state bank accepts that it has created too much money supply in the economy and that's what's causing inflation and pressure on the exchange rate but um on that they note they created just a little more than it was required not a lot just a little yeah and and we will pause uh, the rate hikes for now that's how we calm the markets down by going going on bloomberg these days to tell them what we're going to do in january but um that's for january we'll see what happens between now and then um but are you or kitne op-eds aayenge ha kitne op-eds kitne interviews kitne um uh, tweets wagaira wagaira we'll see um the state banks maybe posters. tiktok ha tiktok tiktok audience different hai na whatsapp for business group bana dena chahiye i think that's the way to communicate for the don't, right don't, audience don't don't give ideas don't give ideas yeah. don't give ideas SBB का एक नया ग्रुप आ रहा है व्हाट्सएप का प्लीज ज्वाइन करें लिंक नीचे डिस्क्रिप्शन में नहीं अभी तक नहीं आया बट अरिबा थैंक यू फॉर ज्वाइनिंग आई नो दैट यू वर नॉट फीलिंग वेल सो आई रियली अप्रिशिएट यू टेकिंग आउट द टाइम आई होप एवरीवन एंजॉयड दिस राउंड अप एंड दिस इज द लास्ट एपिसोड ऑफ दिस सीजन वी विल बी बैक इन जनवरी सो थैंक्स फॉर ट्यूनिंग इन एंड अरिबा वंस अगेन थैंक यू फॉर टेकिंग आउट द टाइम थैंक्स सुजा थैंक यू फॉर हैविंग मी राहुल